Hello everyone, my name is Theo Hill and welcome back to One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore. This is a podcast where I talk one-on-one with other folks like me who are dealing with their own addiction and recovery. And listeners, uh, we are still recording the podcast here in my home where I have three lovely granddaughters. So you might hear a little noise in the background from time to time. (laughs) Welcome to my home. This episode, I would like to introduce Miss Christy to y'all. Hi, Theo. Welcome to One Day at a Time. Thanks. The question is, when did you get involved with substances? But you can start from the beginning. I mean, I grew up in a normal American home. My dad was military up until we moved to Maryland. And, you know, things happened in my childhood that changed my outlook on life and my first drug of choice as it were was food mm-hmm. and uh when that stopped working and fantasy stopped working mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and all the other things that i made an attempt to fill that void with stopped working i started getting high and it was probably around 16 mm-hmm. and um you know i i used for like three four years and then i ended up just hitting bottom life got really scary for me and i went into treatment and that was my first exposure to na mm-hmm um, I stayed clean in, in the rooms for nine years and stayed clean outside of the rooms up to a total of about 23 years. And then, um, you know, and life was good. I got everything I ever wanted, you know, house, mm-hmm. 2.5 kids, white picket fence, mm-hmm. good government job, <laughs> all mm-hmm. that. And then all of a sudden it fell apart. My husband came home one day, said, I don't want to be married. <laughs> and everything that was stable was gone my job was gone my kids were there but my son was super it was just crazy Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden one day i used one extra pill of a prescription i'd been taking according to prescription for 13 years and that was it that was all it took Mm -hmm. one is too many and a thousand is never enough enough. i took one pill and this i could literally remember like this feeling like i'm off to the races like i'm done And, you know, I started off with doctor hopping and then ended up, you know, when that stopped, I started writing my own scripts Mm -hmm. and I went from taking one or two extra pills a day to when I got to my end, I was taking a month's worth of my prescription every day. And, um, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of where my, my addiction took me i just remember being miserable every single solitary day of my life wanting to die praying that i wouldn't wake up being angry with god when i did mm-hmm. and you know just i couldn't do anything i was on i wasn't functional i had no people in my life my son had left to go live with his dad because i my house was so crazy my daughter was still with me but i wasn't capable of being a mom mm-hmm. you know i wasn't able to keep a job i wasn't able to you know, have friends, nothing. Literally, my life became about getting up, getting my daughter out of the house to school, camp, wherever the hell she was going for the right. day, and then going about the process of figuring out how to get the pills that I needed. Was that when you hit bottom? I hit bottom when the police showed up. <laughs> oh, the, oh, so law enforcement showed up. Yes. I went to go fill a prescription at this oh, okay. pharmacy that I went to all the time. Right. And he was always really quick, right? So I loved it because he was quick about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden one day it was taking forever. And I was like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And then three PG County cops walked in. And that was all it took for me. Because I 
could not go to jail. You, you, you can't do jail. I can't do jail. Okay. No, I am way too much of a wuss to handle jail. You know, I always joke I'd, 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 I'd be somebody's girlfriend by noon. I, just, I got nothing. I got no ability to protect myself, support myself. I got no toughness in my I'm nothing. Right. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So I did whatever was necessary. Mm-hmm. Whatever it took. Not to go to jail. I didn't want to be clean. I wasn't trying to be in the rooms. I wasn't trying to make my life better. I wasn't trying to have some spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking for, I wasn't even look like people be like, what do you want? I don't want anything. I had everything I wanted. I lost it. I don't care. I just can't go to jail. And I came in here and I followed the suggestions, both from my attorney. <laughs> okay. So and, your attorney got you to get treatment. Um, I didn't actually go into treatment. I went to an IOP. Um, okay, that's which is outpatient treatment. But, yeah. um, but he told me to go to an outpatient treatment that would give me testing so that I'd have evidence that I hadn't used and go to meetings every day. Right. And that was all he knew to tell me. Right. I knew because I had been a member of Narcotics Anonymous for nine years mm-hmm. what I needed to do. So I came in and I went to a meeting every single solitary day and I got my SIP signed and I got a home group. And I say mm-hmm. this every time so that I could get the secretary of the home group to write me a letter mm-hmm. so I wouldn't go to jail. Right. And I got a service position so that the secretary would have something to put in a letter mm-hmm. that I sent to the judge so I wouldn't go to jail. I got a sponsor so she could write me a letter. <laughs> I worked steps because she was a Nazi and yes. so I wouldn't go to jail. Right. You had, and, two, you had two motives then. Right. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, I did the things that I was supposed to do, but for all the wrong reasons. Um, and I say this every time I tell my story. It. The thing I love about NA is you don't have to want what we have. If you do what we do, you will get what we get. This program worked on me without my permission. Right. You know what I mean? I walked into the rooms and all of a sudden people started remembering my name and I started to feel like I belong somewhere mm-hmm. for the first time and I can't remember how long. And, and you know, I got that service position in the beginning. It was like, here's coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, by the end it was like, no, I'm setting up the chairs. Like it's mm-hmm. a wedding. They're all lined up by the lines mm-hmm. on the floor. I'm there 45 minutes ahead. So my mm-hmm. coffee's ready when people walk in the door and I'm getting cookies mm-hmm. so that people want to come to my meeting because I want my right. meeting to be the most. And all of a sudden it was my meeting. And all of a sudden it was like, because that was the first thing I'd been able to do successfully that I could be proud of right. in years. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. my first attempt at being productive. And, um, and it made me feel like I mattered, you know? And, um, you know, the step work, it just started to work. You know what I mean? And, and my sponsor was really good about showing me how to actually utilize the steps. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just a matter of, yes, I'm powerless over drugs and alcohol. But when I got here, my son wouldn't speak to me. And I didn't know how to handle that, you know? And, and it was all about, you don't have the power to control that. Right. <laughs> all you can do is be the best mom you can be to him mm-hmm. and pray, give it to God. And that's it, you know? And so she showed me how to work the first three steps on the situation that had to do with the, my relationship with my son and my relationship with my ex-husband and child support and all of these just regular life things that people mm-hmm. deal with every day. But the steps gave me the tools to know how to handle them, to know where what I can do and what I can't do meet. You know what I mean? So I do what I can do, and then what I can't do, I let go of right you know what i mean understanding and believing that god's got my best interest at heart and if i just give it to him he'll handle it and then finally actually that place where my spirit lets go and to this day those first three steps are my survival yes you know what i mean when my daughter turned buck wild when she turned Mm -hmm. 16 if it weren't for the first three steps i wouldn't have survived 
You know, because I was supposed to be in control of that situation. Right. She's my kid, right? I'm supposed to be able to control my child. Man, those hormones hit and I was done. Yeah. I had no hope of controlling her. And that same thing, first step. What can I do? What can't mm-hmm. I do? And then right. let it go. And believe that God had her long before I ever did. <laughs> I mean, she's on me alone. And then finally, that's time when my spirit let go. And all of a sudden, that's when the wisdom came, right? It's after I let go that all of a sudden the how to parent an evil teenager came into play. Because I didn't have any clue before that. Right. You know, and that's true with every situation in my life. You know, this past year, I lost my job. And uh, I kind of knew it was coming. Yeah. And kind of didn't do what I should have done. But in the end, I just knew it was going to be okay. You know what I mean? Whatever happened, I just knew it was going to be okay. You know, and I ended up getting a job a month later. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, the job necessarily that I would want in terms of pay. (laughs) But it's a job I'm good at. It's a job that I love, you know, and it pays my bills. Yes. But it does. (laughs) Yes. You know, and so I'm grateful. So what's your road to recovery been like? Roller coaster. Okay. Up and down. Just up and down. And, and my spiritual um, awakenings always come after some sort of an emotional crash. Mm-hmm. Probably the greatest of which had to do with a relationship gone bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I hit a spiritual bottom again and had to dig my way out of it the same way I had to dig my way out of the relationship. I mean, out of the, um, the drugs, right. coming off a drugs thing. It was that same basic principles, working the steps, following the suggestions of people who came before me, learning to love myself. You know, and every new trial that comes along, it's the same basic process. It's, right. it's utilizing the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. And my sponsor, my current sponsor, which is different than the one I had when I came in here, she's really good about pointing me to the spiritual principle and the step that I need to utilize. That's fantastic. Whether I do it or not. Right. Well, at least she points it out issue. to you. But she yeah. points it out to me. So what have you learned about yourself? I have a tendency to, I mean, I've learned everything about myself. I've learned everything that's great about myself and everything that's negative about myself. I know what my character defects are and I know what my assets are. You know what I mean? I know what I offer and I know where I need to work on things. Right. You know, and, and that continues to be shown to me. Every day I learn something new about myself, both good and bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. get exposed to new gifts yes. that I didn't realize I had right. and shown where I am extremely flawed mm-hmm. and need to do You're some human. more work. You're human. Yeah. That's fantastic. Now, do you have any advice for someone who's struggling with addiction right now? Call somebody. Call somebody. And get help. Give this thing a try. Yeah. You know, you can always go back to where you're at. Right. But just give it a try. It, it's just, it's worth trying. Go to a meeting. Mm-hmm. Go to a fire station. Ask for help. Call the help. I mean, call somebody and get help. There's so many different resources. You don't necessarily need to go to treatment. I went to meetings for the most part and got clean. But get help. Now, I understand that you brought a, a guest with you today. I did. This is my friend, Peppy. Hello, Theo. How you doing? Hey, Peppy. It's an honor and a pleasure well, to I meet you. No, the honor is all mine. Please, you know. trust me, please. I'm not going to go as far back as Christy did. I'm just going <laughs> to basically go back to um, what put me in the position that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I had a year. And first, let me let me be very frank and honest. My year was abstinence. It was not uh, of working work working the program right. of recovery. Um, but I had a year, and all the suggestions that was given to me, um, I picked and choose what I wanted to take. And um, it it led me to several relapses. And um, you know, I, I kept telling myself, you know, every sixty days I can't do this no more. Right. You know, and um, one day I went out. And um, I, like they say, man, I, I, it was either save my face or save my behind. Right. It was that moment, where, you know, that it became truly clear. And um, I called a friend, <clears throat> and um, two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, funny thing about it is, normally this person don't even have their phone on at two o'clock in the morning. So I know that was God doing yes, what I couldn't indeed. do for myself. Yes, indeed. And um, they came and picked me up and took me to the fire station. Mm-hmm. And um, I think at that moment there, sitting in that fire station, <clears throat> I had had that 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 down in the dirt. I just can't yes. do this no more. Right. Feeling. That surrender is what it's called. Yeah. And um, I went to send me to a program, you know. And uh, while I was there, it really helped me to um, become more open, and more honest. And it, it gave me the courage to want to really, really do something about my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I went to, after that, I went to long-term treatment. And I'm, I'm actually still in long-term treatment. Um, <clears throat> but um, I sat in a place, man, that actually made me sit still. And what happened was, man, I had to sit with myself. Right. And um, they, first of all, I'm a runner. Let's make that clear. I'm a runner. I, I don't like to sit still. I like to be busy. Because I like to keep my mind occupied. I don't right. want to think about the things that's going on that's hurting me, discouraging me, you know, bringing back old memories, whatever. I just want to keep it moving. And um, this opportunity here made me really look at Peppy. You know, look at all of Peppy's inadequacies. Mm-hmm. Look at all of Peppy's uh, dredged up hurt and pain. Mm-hmm. The things that the resentments that I harbored, the resentments that I harbored for myself and others. It gave me the opportunity to decide what I wanted out of life. You know, um, fortunately enough, I'm blessed to have a son. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, that was that was another significant reason for me to, to make some decisions, to make some life changes. Um, so I did that. <clears throat> and um, my main problem was uh, I lived in, the, in a world of the facade that men don't tell other men their business. Right. I right. lived in that illusion that, you know, we were tough, we were going to hold on, we can fix our own problems. Man created his own conditions, man can get out of it. All of that. All of the false bravados that, mm-hmm. that we grew up under, well, I grew up under anyway, I held on to. You know, I, I wasn't willing to come to no man, and, and even though I knew his life was better than mine, and say, um, you know, I'm, I'm having help some me. insecurities. Help me. I'm going through some things, mm-hmm. man, help me. Um but this situation that I went through this last time, <laughs> it was enough to make me do yes. that. You know, I have a sponsor, and I reach mm-hmm. out to my sponsor. You know, um, I've had some incidences lately, you know. Um, unfortunately, I lost some money, and when I was living with 15 other guys, I had to, in my mind, and somebody found it. Mm-hmm. And I needed to get away from them. I was gung-ho. I'm leaving. I don't want to be here. No more. I called my sponsor. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he gave me some good advice. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I reached out to a family member because uh, when I'm when I'm actually doing something with my life, my family wants to be wants me to be a part yes. of their life. And um, my brother is one of my strongest advocates in my recovery. You know, and he was a, a a monumental instrument for me to understand the part and the role that I've played in other people's lives when I hurt them from things that I did. Mm-hmm. Moments where I I took it upon myself to think that their belongings belong to me. Right. You know, so he helped me to understand that I'm only getting back what I gave out, and I should understand that it's going to come. You know, that's life on life's terms. Sometimes you lose, and sometimes you win. It's how you pick yourself up and brush yourself off. Right. So um, I'm you know I'm you were talking about the first step, and uh, I I finished my first step, man, and it's uh. The, rele- the revelation of it is um, phenomenal because, first of all, man, it's, it's hard. It was hard for me to admit that I was weak. Yes. So admitting that I have, I was an addict was one of the, you know, I could say it out my mouth, but believing it in my in heart, heart wasn't the same right. thing. You know, right. I was just doing what I seen other people do. Right. You know what I mean? But what I believed in my heart, oh no, nah, I'm nah, that's nah. weak. I can't be that kind of guy. Right. You know. Um. And in, in, in doing that first step, it showed me just how much my addiction control manifest and controlled yeah. me because it wasn't just the narcotics. That was no, just my symptoms. A That's lifestyle. the symptoms. If I, my whole life being young, I was an addict. You know, if I wasn't addicted to stealing somebody's car or stealing somebody's stuff, I was a thief. I was addicted to stealing. Exactly. So, um, and the unmanageability was every time I tried to control my life, it became even more chaotic yes. than it already was. Yes. You know, I never allowed some structure or some discipline to come in my life unless you put me behind them gates. Yeah. And, you know. Exactly. Yeah, if but you put me the behind ends, the gate, I can do The ends are always the same. Right. Jail. Yes. Institutions. And death. Well, I've done two of them. Right. You haven't and died. I, I God, just haven't died. God bless you. That's a plan for me. And I'm, you know, a lot of people have been really, really instrumental in helping me realize, man, that, um, if I give myself an opportunity, I could really be able to give something back, you know, to the youth, to the community, to myself. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, that's what I strive for now. You know, um, it's, it's a thing in the, in, in the program. It's a, you know, it's the how part of, those, of the program. And as long as I continue to keep my keep honesty, open minded and willingness in front of me, I'll be all right. You know? Be well on your way. Well on my way. So. Thank you for allowing okay. me to come on. Oh, no problem. Um, for our audience, how much clean time you got? I have seven months. Great. That's fantastic. I'd like to thank both of y'all, Christy and Pepe, for thank you. Thank for, you. For coming to uh, One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore. And listeners, thank y'all for, for being here for us. I want to thank you for being with us. My name is Theo Hill. Let's talk again.